Good afternoon. The gospel this week is one that we probably all know by heart. You know, always being tested and a target of being trapped by Judaic laws. This time it's a lawyer who tries to corner Jesus, asking him, how do you inherit eternal life? The lawyer was looking at eternal life as something that we earn, something that adherence to laws and their parameters and definitions will lead to salvation. But after all, isn't that the main question most of us have in our minds? How do we get from here, this life, to there, eternal life, the kingdom of God? And what do we need to earn that golden key to the gates of heaven? It would seem that our focus tends to be on earning versus receiving, on judgment versus acceptance, and on the future versus the present. So Jesus answers the lawyer's question by asking him, well, what does the law say? Not surprisingly, the lawyer responds with a composite of Judaic law, part of what we heard in the first reading, of loving God with your whole heart and mind and being, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus acknowledges the lawyer for reciting the law correctly. He seems willing to stop there. But those of you who have worked with lengthy legal documents know that often you have to go to the back of the document in order to read the definitions of the terms used so one can fully understand the intent of all the legalese. So the lawyer pushes Jesus for clarification on asking, so who exactly is my neighbor? See, he's looking for someone else to define and confirm the exact limits that he has to go to. And he wants that answer to come from the outside. But Jesus forces him to go from the inside, inside himself, with the telling of the story that we all know so well of the Good Samaritan. At that time, the hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans was legendary. Dating back to centuries before Christ, the Samaritans were exiled to live with the poorest of the Israelites, leading to a half-breed race stigmatized with idolatry and uncleanliness. They built their own temple, and having rejected the writings of the prophets as being authoritative, they had their own scriptures. The Samaritans showed hatred and hostility to Jews traveling to Jerusalem, so much so that Jews preferred to just bypass the region of Samaria, uh, Samaria entirely. So the story goes on that a man lay on the side of the road, victim to a robber. The priest and the Levite, both of whom served the temple, have a love and adherence to that Judaic law. Touching the wounded man would have led to ritual impurity. So they passed the wounded man by on the opposite side of the road. But it's the social outcast, the one who lives on the margins of that particular society, the one who is most unlike the injured Jew who stops and steps outside his comfort zone and shows compassion. Or in the words of the lawyer himself, is the one who shows mercy. Jesus then tells the lawyer, go do the same thing. We never hear whether the lawyer did or not. But did you notice that Jesus never really answered the question that was originally asked regarding, who is my neighbor? 
Rather, he gave us a story to remind us of what it's like to be a neighbor to one another. What it's like to go to extraordinary lengths to show love for one another. So listen to another story of what it's like to be a neighbor to another. This event took place just last month. And the story is being told by a woman whose name is Kelly. She's a flight stewardess for JetBlue. And this is what she said. Luis Omar Oscasio Capo, or Omar as his friends and family called him, was a 20-year-old Latino man gunned down at an LGBT bar in Orlando last month. My friend Melinda and I had the sad privilege of attending to his grandmother on her flight as she made her journey to Orlando to join her family during this unspeakable time. Knowing that she was making this hard journey alone, JetBlue employees made sure to be at her side every step of the way. Melinda stood quietly by her wheelchair while we waited until it was time to board. Kelly, the gate agent, boarded with her and helped her get settled. Melinda and I gave her a blanket and a pillow and a box of tissues and water so she could be as comfortable as possible. She was understandably distraught, but met us with kindness and gentleness and gratitude. So I had the idea to pass around a piece of paper to everyone on board and invite them to sign it for this grieving grandmother. Melinda agreed and started the process from the back of the plane. As we took brevage orders, we whispered a heads up about the plan as we went along. Halfway through, Melinda called me. Kel, I think you should start another piece of paper from the front. Folks are writing paragraphs. So I did. And then we started one in the middle. Lastly, running out of time on our one hour and 15 minute flight, we handed out pieces of paper to everyone still waiting. When we gathered them together to present them to her, we didn't have just a sheet of paper covered in names, which is what I had envisioned. Instead, we had page after page after page after page of long messages offering condolences and peace and love and support. When we landed, I made an announcement that the company had approved us to use as an addition to our normal landing announcement, which stated, JetBlue stands with Orlando. Then with her permission at the request of a couple of passengers, we offered a moment of silence in Omar's memory. As we deplaned, every single person stopped and offered her their condolences. Some said they were sorry, some touched her hand, some hugged her, some cried with her. But every single person stopped to speak to her. Not a single person was impatient at the slower deplaning process. I moved to tears yet again as I struggled to put our experience into words. In spite of a few hateful, broken human beings in this world, People are kind. People do care. And through our customers' humanity and compassion today, I'm hopeful that someday soon we can rally together to make the world a safer place for all. I will never forget those compassionate people 
who were on our plane today. So maybe, just maybe, it's time for us to stop asking, who is my neighbor? Which also means defining who isn't my neighbor. Why do we continue to try to define and confirm who is in and who is out, who God loves and who God doesn't love? For we heard in the second reading today, in Christ all things, all things are held together. So why do we spend so much time trying to pull them apart? Why do we spend so much time, like the lawyer, trying to figure out whom we're supposed to love? And we miss the point of the story where Jesus turns the question around and simply points to the man who acts with mercy. This gospel is not about who my neighbor is. It's about how I can be neighbor to those who come into my life. It's about willing to deal with our own prejudices in order to seek justice, and offer assistance to those who are in need, regardless of the group to which they belong. For God comes to us daily in unexpected encounters with unexpected people, which means we need to be alert. We need to be willing to cross the road and step outside our comfort zone. We need to be willing to step in that sacred space where a bigger world can be revealed, where transformation can take place, where true healing can occur and where loving your neighbor becomes just second nature. The opportunity for this is always right there. It's right in front of us. Don't miss it. Cross the road and take the first step towards the face of God.